Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. I got this really strange email last night. I need to see what's going on with this mystery file. Hey, it's a map of a town called Ocean Bay. Someone sent these images to you for a reason. I'm so lost right now. When was the last time you chose a direction and followed it? I'm going to Ocean Bay. We don't get many tourists this time of year. Ocean Bay is a friendly town, but we're not that friendly. I never sent you an email. I don't even know you. And why exactly are you here? The map is the reason we're here. Maps help when you're lost. Do you know what a trap street is? Trap streets aren't real. They don't exist. Don't trust anyone unless they give you a reason to trust them. I, I think he's dead. How could so much damage happen to a human body in such a short period of time? What the hell is going on here? From the creators of Strange Air, this is Trap Street. So maps can have secrets. Yes, maps can have secrets. Follow and hear new episodes of Trap Street anywhere you listen to podcasts. Previously on Of Mice and Men and Monsters. Keep an eye out for our friend Awen. I'm afraid that he's tapping into something rather dark. Looks like Arthur got himself a plaything here. Mr. Morlock, this is this is Bertram, and no, it's not a family name, but he is a part of our family. What is it that you need, Edgar? Don't forget, your days are numbered. He is in complete darkness, and all he sees is blood and oil at his feet. Did you think that we were going to leave you, Eowyn? Eowyn, what happened last night? I saw something happened with you, and I think it has to do with that ring. For the next minute, any flammable object you touch that isn't being worn or carried by another creature bursts into flames. You're in a fucking tent! And this elven figure in the water, like, immediately looks up towards the flames and then down and sees you guys backlit by these flames. You see a single mech suit that is mostly made of constructed material, and fear strikes your heart of how many more of these could there be. We start in year 50. Bertram, you are in a tough spot, let's say that. You have seen your employer, your, really your, who you now have to call, 
um, your Lord Featherfoot, not Arthur, whom you had grown to revere, um, but his son Edgar, who is now 40 years old. Uh, and he has become more and more erratic of late. Arthur um, has died six months before now. Uh, and that wound is still fresh for you, uh, I would say. Uh, in, in fact, I, I would invite you to, to fill us in right now. At this point, um, after serving Arthur Featherfoot uh, and the family for almost 50 years, how would Bertram have felt at his passing? I mean, obviously conflicted. It's like, I'm sure he... Arthur treated Bertram with respect and was kind to him, but also was like standoffish in a way that like, I wasn't his son. I wasn't like family, um, kind of a confidant, I guess. Uh, but also I had to do what he said when he said, so it was an interesting dynamic, but I think we were always kind to each other and respectful. And he certainly when Edgar came around, he was like a barrier between like abuse and someone I could like put in between me and Edgar. And now not only am I kind of mourning in my own way, Arthur being gone, but now feeling trapped and stuck almost like cornered with this kind of beast of a child. Or I guess he's a probably a grown man now, but yeah, there's no more protection. And so he probably just feels very unsafe. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that, that, lack of safety kind of loom closer and closer to uh, with Arthur's death only six months before you see Edgar as ill-prepared to take the reins of the Featherfoot name not just as a family of nobility but also as a family well known with a business in footwear uh, a family whose name in business means luxury means comfort means stability and Edgar is anything but stable at this moment. Um, you, you, in fact, are ducking into a side room uh, to avoid him because he has shown himself to be more and more nervous. And, and this desperation to show his strength um, has only revealed a, a greater propensity to take it out on you when he fails time and time again. So you are currently cleaning out uh, Arthur's office. Uh, you... You ducked into that side room, avoiding Edgar's wrath, and you're preparing this office for Edgar to eventually move in. And as you putter around, you see fresh sheets of parchments on uh, the main desk, alongside a partial prototype for footwear in a style completely different from the simple elegance that Arthur had favored for so long. Am I able to tell, like, is this... Like I would, I would probably know Arthur's penmanship or the way he would draw and sketch. Would I be able to kind of perceive if this was someone else's work, like if this is Edgar's? Let's doing? roll perception. And, and just as, since we're doing, you know, kind of like this baseline before you become an adventurer yeah, or even just, just really get a, just, yeah, your, your modifier is just going to be zero. 17. You notice a few things. First, you, you pick up the, the paper with the prototype, this, this drawing, and, and you see that this prototype and the drawing b beside it, it, it looks generally complete, but you notice these twisted crystalline bars that lay unfinished upon the desk beside um, these sheets of drawings, and you pick up that sheet of drawing again and take a better look at it, and 
it features a crude design of a bronze door with a sphinx in white marble relief. And uh, below that, you shuffle through and you see again this rendering of um, an automaton with Morlock's signature below it. And so, and these are two different. And so looking more closely, you have become very good at, at calligraphy, more and more so, especially as Edgar is relying on you time and time again to not just forge signatures on behalf of the family, uh, but to even decipher uh, missives from potential competitors and allies as he grows more and more distrustful of the people around him. And you recognize Edgar's writing, particularly Edgar's writing when he has had one too many drinks and the just the nervous erratic nature of the unstable lines there. Uh, and, and that was on the crew design of the bronze door, as well as the the prototype for footwear. Um, and it, you remember, like you recall many, many a time of this arguments behind closed door between Arthur and uh, Edgar. Um, with Edgar trying to push ideas for designs, push ideas for uh, the the footwear itself that was high in creativity but lacked any business sense behind it. And oftentimes, you know, you would have to shuffle away from the door quick enough so that Edgar would not catch you listening in. Um, but you then come back to that drawing of the automaton and you recognize it from from that poor creature if you could even call it that you saw just some years before at that party um, where Morlock completely failed in trying to get Arthur Featherfoot to back Mm -hmm. uh, these Morlocks. It remind me is at this point is Mr. Morlock living uh, in the manor with us? No. Not yet. Mm -mm. Okay. So yeah no deal has been made between Edgar and Morlock at this point. Uh, In fact that that door uh, which you see here, you it is just a design. It is just an idea. Uh, it is just a wing of the mansion that has not been renovated yet. And Arthur's not in. Uh, uh, Edgar's not in here with me, right? He's. I'm trying to kind of stay out of his way. I'm just kind of quietly cleaning up. Yeah, you you start to shuffle it, and you uh, hear f- approaching footsteps, and the door starts to swing open, and you hurriedly put the sheaf of papers back in their place. Yeah, I, I, the first thing I would instantly do is, I, I feel like, as a good kind of butler, I need to, especially with this person, I need to read where he's at. Uh, I need to kind of perceive if he's like actively drunk or angry. Uh, you know, sometimes if they're with certain people, you just want to stay out of their way and kind of walk on eggshells. So I'm trying to kind of gauge the way he's walking, the way he's talking. Uh, about how to approach a potential conversation. Yeah, and it is Edgar who enters, and you see a, a face that you often do not get to see. It's, it's completely unguarded, and it is racked with, with just mourning, and it looks, it looks so much younger to you, which is so strange because he has, you know, he's aged. You, you've seen him age, and yet he looks like a young boy, just lost. And loosely gripped in his hands are is just are these two white flowers, and he looks up and he sees you, and it's almost like he forgets himself, and uh, he takes a deep breath, almost as if he's 
about to to confess something or or share something you're not quite sure and he he utters Bertram and then he remembers himself and then that hardened look of hatred comes back and he looks down at the flowers and throws them on the floor and exits We now jump to year 10. You are still brand new to the family, still learning its ways. Uh, and as you kind of peek outside looking for your employer, you see Arthur Featherfoot and his wife Jane. And they're seated together in a little stone arbor below a hot flowering hibiscus tree engaged in conversation, chiefly of smiles. Seeing you peering curiously, Arthur beckons you over. Bertram! Bertram, come over here. Yes, yes, sir. May I help you? We are delighted to introduce you. Bertram, this is our child. This is, this is our baby, our, our son. This is Edgar. It is our dearest hope that you two will one day become fast friends. Oh, I would love nothing more, sir. And what a beautiful child. Congratulations to you both. Uh, congratulations, Jane. Oh, no, I wouldn't say Jane. Um, congratulations, Mrs. Be like, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> yeah. You forget yourself, sir. And, and you see this, this small child, and as you bend closer, you know, within his range of sight, because uh, perhaps you had read that, you know, newborn babies are only able to see so far. As you bend down closer, you see the child's gray eyes, like, light up at the sight of the flowers behind you. Yeah, I think I would try and and pluck a flower off and maybe one with like longer petals that are soft and I would take it and maybe kind of gently rub it on his belly trying to mimic the sensation he's heard that is called tickling that he mm-hmm. doesn't understand and would try and do that either with his feet or on the baby's belly. This is a way to try to be affectionate. Yeah, you do that. And and as the the flower passes, you know, up on his abdomen, he he grasps one of your your digits, one of your fingers in his tiny hand, and he furrows his little brow and even coos incoherently. And you see Lady Featherfoot's Jane, uh, her smile widen at the look on your face of perhaps wonderment and even confusion. We now go to year 40, so we go forward 30 years. Edgar is marrying someone uh, that you have not yet met. You have only heard in passing of uh, just a lovely young woman from a family also of equal standing and power and authority of of the Featherfoot family. Um, You know her name is Weena, but that is all that you know. Um, And... The, the ceremony itself is taking place um, at a, a nearby place of worship, but, you know, at, you, you are here at the manor taking care of it. Uh, you are watching over it and doing your duties. You are not at the wedding for multiple reasons. Uh, one, because at this point, Edgar probably would not have wanted you there. Um, and two, it, it would, was not even a, a thought in their minds of, of having you come. So as you go about, you know, tidying the study, you pause, put your hand in your pocket, and silently place 
two now withered flowers, not unlike very large white hibiscuses, upon the little table. Then you resume your work. Let's go to the outside, shall we? Let's go to the outside world, the here and now. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we leave this scene of contemplation and uh, perhaps a little bit of, of lost chances here. And we have some more chances ahead of us, uh, chances for survival. Um, so Awen and Penny, uh, let's come back to you guys right now. When we last saw you guys, we were doing great. flames, Super flames great. everywhere mm-hmm. uh, because oh, you're great. you're you're having a fun time. Smoked out. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, let's set the scene uh, before we jump back into it. So you have disabled one of these mech suits, uh, one of these mech suits belonging to Lady Macbeth. Uh, and it was, you know, you figured out it was used for uh, surveillance. It was used for. Uh, basically being a, a, a watch guard, you know. So uh, it, it is not for martial purposes. Uh, so you were able to disable the homing beacon and then just disable the whole thing entirely. Uh, likewise, there was a member of the Spotted Hand that was there as well, um, an elf uh, who has yet to speak to you because they have no tongue. <laughs> so, uh, but they, they have blown a whistle now and at that, Alarum, uh, there are now the sound of crashing mechanical footsteps heading your way. What do you guys want to do? Just from my uh, understanding, when we hear that crash of metal footsteps, how far away are we like these sounding? 30 feet, 50 feet, 800 feet? Good question. People need to know. You may do a nature or survival check for this. Okie dokie. Both things I'm very strong in. I think you both would be scanning for this. So, Aaron, you can you can roll for Awen as well, nature or survival. Uh, I rolled a thirteen. Oh, I rolled a nat twenty, twenty-two. Well, yeah, do, his. <laughs> do, well, his, do his. Do his. Do his. <laughs> both of you can tell that the the sound of crashing is perhaps. Gosh, I would say 30 yards away. So it's, it's not super close. Okay, um, however, closer, yes, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's closer than you'd want to, but you do have some time on your hands uh, right. that you can, you can adjust. Um, your yards, movements. 90 can, feet, right? Yes, 90 <laughs> feet away. <laughs> you're wagging your finger there. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that, uh, Awen, you're able to maybe even close your eyes and, and consider the the sound of just the the crushed vines and branches and leaves you're you're using your druid senses uh, see, seeing how many of your your nature brethren are dying trampled under their feet um but to, to you it sounds um as if there are three to five of them just the the pattern of the footfall and the amount of crashing that you hear okay and we and we neutralized the other mech by removing its homing beacon which was in its like neck right oh and and you you heated you heated its metal right right so yeah it, it is gone like it is no longer able to uh 
to power on anymore. Benny, what do we do? We, we need to get out of here. We got, we got to get Bertram. We got, we got two minutes to either prep for the, a big-ass fight or we got to go. My, my two cents is we got to run. We got to run for sure. We got to run. How do we take Bertram? He's so heavy. Um, is his tent like actively on fire right now too? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, yes, I, I will say too. Just kind of behind my DM screen, I'm I'm keeping track of time, and for so many, uh, basically for every minute uh, in 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 the world. So basically, like every like two to three minutes, like you guys spend talking. Uh, I'm going to have him roll some more on that lovely yeah. magical chart. Oh. Adam, he's stop burning baby. faces at this. It's burn baby burn right now and uh, burn baby Bertram. So I, it, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to let that, like he's, he's going to take some further damage to his, his shell. Uh, so <laughs> um, I, I, um, I look around and I take a second. I breathe in a deep breath of air. And I smell, I smell what smells like the sounds of loved ones burning. It's like this synesthesia kind of a thing. Yeah. And I, I mm-hmm. go in to fight or flight mode and it's, it's flight o'clock time to bounce. It's flight o'clock for it's sure. Flight o'clock. So I say, Penny, you stay, you stay on me. Like you're on top of me, but you're not. Cause I don't need the extra weight load. I need to run fast. Let's go. And then I cast Control Flames, which allows me to extinguish flames within a five-foot uh, cube. Up Thank to God, s- someone can. Up to 60 feet um, away. So my plan which, is... That, that's within, yeah, that's within the reach bad of Bertram. I'm seven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is, this is a cantrip. I can just cast the shit out of this. So here's my, here's my thought. Here's my thought. We shuffle our booties across the f- across the river of flame, and I am extinguishing the flames that are in front of us, and I'm replacing the flames as we go. We're just burning Sherman, going through Georgia, burning that shit right behind us. We can't. We just keep going. And then I would like to, I guess, turn to Penny and try to pick up Bertram and skedaddle. As you cast this and, and you, you know, just you start to you take, you know, five steps in that direction. You just start like booking it in the direction of where Bertram is and, and spreading the flames like just the waters of the Red Sea. Right. And you are. Right. Yeah, you are the Druid Moses. Famous Druid Moses. Uh, little little people. People don't know that. <laughs> the, the, the pagan Moses. Uh, you you hear this <laughs> go past your, your ear. I'm going to roll. What's your AC, my friend? 16. Oh, tie goes to the runner. Um, so you hear this go past your, uh, your, your ear and it thunks into the, the tree bark next to you. And then another one hits you square in the back. Oh. Um, and turning around, you see that tongueless elf still, uh, who, you know, is, is still alive, uh, still fully able to to you know come after you come at you bro um and so uh yeah they they lower just this this basically blow dart from their their lips and you see you feel just like that piercing of a poison needle oh no in your back 
So oh, let's let's no. do that, and then let's roll some initiative. Hell yeah, let's. You're go. not letting us get away from this fight, are you? That's a fourteen. For me. I mean, you could. are they surrounded by fire? Are they in a, are they in a five foot cube? Listen, like, surrounded I'm about by to fire? make a circle of fire for sure. For not <laughs> battle royale. A fifteen. I was so hoping we could run. I was like real set. I'm like, we're gonna Truly. run. We're gonna get away. It's gonna be so nice. We're gonna hide in the woods. I hope I get Love to explode hiding again. In the woods. I, want to, I want to explode again soon. <laughs> no, Adam. No. <laughs> oh God. It's you the are only way un... I can participate. It's the only way I can participate outside my body. <laughs> it's because I love you guys. I want to hang. Yeah. I made this Maybe I'll bring you. a rain. I'll bring a rain cloud. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's let's cloud. do the damage. So Awen, you're going to take three piercing damage. Okay. Uh, and would you do a Constitution saving throw? Absolutely. Did they get a full rest? I forget. Did they get a full night's rest? They got rest? a half rest. The oh. Short rest, yeah. Mm. Nine for me. Nine. Okay, so with that, let's, uh, let's figure out the poison. Poison. Buddy. <laughs> poison. Mm. Calm down, right. Bill Bev DeBow. I'm doing bad, guys. All right, that, uh, you take also five poison damage. What were you singing? Okay. What was this poison beat you she were doing? She was singing Bill Bev DeBow. Yeah, there you go. That oh. girl is poison. Oh, poison. I'm, I'm the guy song. in the back who, who yells out poison. From the 90s? It's a Maybe. bop. Definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're, you're going to take a... Five poison in addition to whatever I told you was piercing okay. damage. I like when it. you take poison damage, does that poison you? Like, are you in the state of being poisoned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm yeah, really... he, he is poisoned. What does that mean? Poison. That's For a good. Kimmy, that's I a good condition. Know, but but Kimmy doesn't know. I was just googling if my cure wounds does anything. To oh that, shoot! It, it it means a lot. This is bad. Okay, there's so, a lot. There, there's a lot. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually not that bad. It's just disadvantage on uh, attack rolls and ability checks. So. Well, that is a big deal. <laughs> you know, just so small. No biggie. Small. No biggie. At the end of every like complete round, if if Bertram is still on fire, he's gonna roll for more magical effects. To yeah, happen. I am. Okay, so that you know that'll just be an added um, thing. <laughs> An added, thing. an added thing, and since uh, the you, the mech suits are ninety feet away, then you also in three rounds they're going to be here. Okay. Okay. So at the top of the order, we have Penny. Great. Penny is going to turn. She had been facing. She was trying to get ready to run and follow Awen towards the tent, towards the forest. She turns, looks back just at Awen, and she says, handle Bertram. And then she's going to turn full tilt, head straight towards that elf. And she's going to pull out while, um, like, pull out both daggers and then just chuck both of them at her, trying to incapacitate Hell yeah. Her. That's what I'm talking I'm gonna about. I'm going to specifically actually aim for the hand or... For the arm that's been holding the blow dart, or the arm okay. holding the blow dart, so I can keep her from poisoning us again. Ugh, an 11 and a 3. Neither of them hit. Yeah. They're lost in the fire. One of them, like, barely just glances right by that hand holding the, the blow dart, and just, you, you see, like, just this tiny scratch, like, from how close it is, um, but not enough to really make a mark or or really take away any of their hit points but you know just just so close right. um and and you see you see them flinch all right for my bonus action in battle then i run i see it miss i'm gonna like dart down and slide um in the hopes to evade maybe another dart 
uh, even though I know this is happening like two steps before they would do anything, but in the instantaneous as a battle, I'm hoping this helps keep me from being darted. So Penny's going to start sliding and like duck down basically to yeah, be you're putting a yourself target. in a tough, tougher position, hopefully for them right. to hit. So you're just, mm-hmm. you're dodging, but like the second action is a dodge. Is that yeah. the idea? Cool. Basically, or like, like a sliding dodge. Cool. I like it. Awen, uh, Penny has just told you to take care of Bertram. Uh, what do you do? How far away is the unnamed tongueless elf? Probably 12 feet away. I said to handle Bertram. <laughs> Does Penny say this? Does, is this Penny say this? Or starts to move. Penny just looks she sees him this, thinking. She Aiden, sees Aiden his eyes darting terror. back and forth. <laughs> um, oh God. You helping Penny got us in this mess. <laughs> I cast Moonbeam on the elf. Okay. So through We've the seen this before through the shining yeah. light of the flames, a silvery beam of pale light just blasts blasts it blasts that uh, that elf just blasts that elf blast it okay got it so uh, is this is this having to do you have to roll to see if it hits or is it instantaneous it doesn't hit there's a 13 con save okay great then do I will 13. do con 16 okay that does save so they're going to take half of 11 so five, five right or f- uh four? you round up so six all right six damage yeah you you see this just this beam shoot down and um they they like flinch again and like bear down like the, you you just see them grit their teeth and hold on to whatever willpower they have as this light just starts to like rip at their flesh um and and you see just this horrifying sight of of them in like this wordless, soundless scream, uh, and as they they look down the, through their furrowed brows at you, Awen, uh, they they like take this this deep breath um, and then dart out of this beam. Uh, does anything happen if they leave the beam? No. Okay. Uh, they dart out of the beam and. Uh, kind of flip over your your body uh penny um and i'm going to let you take an opportunity attack uh against this so really as they pass by you it's like almost as if they are ignoring you at this moment um because they're just hyper fixated on a1 right now uh you can you can go ahead and make an attack with one of your Daggers? Are you holding daggers? Are you holding, uh, well, I you threw got? the daggers, so I guess, I, I, guess I have more okay, What are you one, holding? Though. I need to actually double check. You I can have an unarmed strike. That. You can have like something that is on your person. I so have a you rapier, threw the daggers, so Penny would great. pull the rapier out and just do a big swooping. Okay. All right. Give me a sec. Six. So it's almost like as, as you are in an awkward position on the ground and, and you kind of tug, tug and then swipe wide, but too late as they sail straight over you and, and come towards Awen. And Penny is I, I'd like to, 
<laughs> I like to think that they're running at you too. <laughs> Aaron, like a uh, sort of a Naruto, like pose their arms like fully like a Kimbo <laughs> <and> back. <laughs> um, and so they're they're gonna take uh, they're gonna multi attack with three unarmed strikes at you. But me. Let's. So at you okay at you okay. all right so we're gonna do oh, three no. three different unarmed 10 versus ac no 10 versus ac ah, today <laughs> i duke oh. with bertram in my arms the love the love i have for bertram in the forest is really just giving me the ability to dodge out of the way huh well, you made it to me and you're holding me? So yeah, this no, changes things. So they told me you hadn't gotten there and hadn't pulled him out of the fire yet, which is why I told you to handle Bertram. Have oh, you shoot. gotten him? Oh, uh, I mean, someone's coming at me, so there's nothing I can do. I, I wasn't holding Bertram. It was just the smells of the forest that were really invigorating me to not be hit. Okay. <laughs> I thought I thought Oops. you as a druid is like your loved ones were the plants and the animals. And I'm like, oh, he's feeling... No, I was. It was for sure. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay so yeah they they take like three strikes at you just okay. like um uh swipe 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 and the third one connects it's a 17 plus three so 20 versus ac yeah yeah um and as soon as that last one connects let's do some damage six plus three that's nine bludgeoning damage i would like you to make a dexterity saving throw that is 15. Great. Uh, you, you save against it. So it's like the, this type of strike came straight at like your sternum. Um, and you were able to glance and, and absorb some of that and save yourself from being knocked over. So you kind of stumble backwards. And that is going to end theirs. And we get to the bottom of the order. So Bertram, I invite you to roll. Uh, to find out some magical effect that happens as you continue to take more damage from this burning, swirling inferno around you. Oops. Ah! Sorry. It's okay. We were not on the same page. And that's no one's fault. It's absolutely <laughs> my fault. <laughs> what are you talking about? 40, it says you re- regain 2d10 hit points. Oh, that's good. What you perhaps like if the camera were to like zoom over to you to see how you were doing, um, perhaps we would see maybe a finger twitch and then you go back to being lifeless. Okay. He wakes up, screams the name of his true love, and then goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming because I'm on fire. Hey, win! <laughs> oh, so All right. So that takes us uh, to the, the top of the order, uh, which would be. Penny and Penny, you you hear uh, the sound of the preceding crashing of the armored footsteps getting a little bit closer. Penny is going to so Penny's on the ground. Penny is going to turn and hop up, pull out her short bow, and then shout at Awin, "Get Bertram!" I can't help Bertram. Only you can. Let me deal with this bitch. And then she's going to shoot her uh, short bow at the back. I'm assuming the elf is still like facing away from me. Yeah, they they are. So I should completely totally faced away from you. get advantage for this. Um. <laughs> All right, I, I shot a fourteen. Yeah, that'll do it. 
Oh my gosh. All right. All right. I don't know if you're just being nice to me as a DM because you feel my anxiety, <laughs> but all right. Um, one D six pierce. So I had two piercing damage. Okay. <laughs> Double thumbs up here from Kimmy. Doing- I'm gonna turn to Ash before this, this fight. <laughs> doing. Is over. I can't help you. This is all I can do. You you okay? So you attacked. You can do other things. You can move. You can uh, say things. Of course, you can take simple actions. You can manipulate the area around you in in very practical ways. Okay, so you, uh, a when you hear this this just dull thud like thunk, and you see one of Penny's barbs just sticking out of the back of this elf. What do you do? Uh, I've noticed that bad things happen when Bertram's on fire, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna use my control flames cantrip to extinguish five of his seven feet. And I, I'd like to look at his, I, I'm assuming that his feet are going to be like probably the least important part um, as far as like operations go. Like he needs his brains and his heart and whatever pumps that oil and that crazy weird crystal that I found. Um, so I'm going to distinguish, extinguish the top part. Let his little toes get a little crispy. <laughs> that's fine yeah you you extinguish the distinguished part of him that, that, is, that is completely fine okay so you you do that and and you see the the flames completely dissipate over the majority of his body and just from his shins downward is still a flame but kept in check uh weirdly not growing past the kneecaps at all and staying just where it was it, the the elf is, is going to kind of look back and forth between the two of you and reaching behind them, uh, kind of break off the the part of the arrow that's sticking out of them and throwing it back down on the ground with just this, this the if, if a looks could snarl just that on their face. Uh, they turn resolutely back towards Awen and continue the pursuits, follow him, and they are once again uh, going to to go for the the multi-attack unarmed strike against you hoping it, and they keep focusing their energies on your on your hands in a downward striking motion as if they're trying to knock anything out and off of your hands bitch slap me that would be a nat 20 oh sick amazing followed by a 13 yeah. and an 18 so two of the three strikes strike true that strikes me does Damn, that mean no. that they get damage. the ring they want if that's what they're trying to do? Uh, so there, there's a, there's a specific thing. Make that <laughs> I don't know why I made that sound. <laughs> Happen with that, Adam <laughs> and Post. Uh, so I'll, I'll, hmm, because I, I, I don't, you know, as a DM, I don't want to like give it all away here. But I would welcome both of you to uh, roll history or intelligence, just straight intelligence, or if you want to add history onto that. Both of you can, just in the heat of the moment in battle. Sweet. It's a nat 20. <laughs> oh. Man, then I have two nat 20s. 18. I like history checks, Ooh. perception. <laughs> both, of you, both of you recognize this, this style of writing, and, and you see this style of writing. I was like, what? I'm on crime. Both of you. Style of fighting? When the acid is. Both of you recognize this style of fighting, and you you see it as somebody who is a martial arts adept. So they're they're going to be 
uh, yeah, very similar to the monk, um, and they are going to be striking in a particular way. And in so the more attacks that they get through, the different levels of, of effect it could have. Um, so let's let's do our bludgeoning damage first. Four bludgeoning damage, so that is a one plus three. And then you are going to do a strength saving throw. It's a ten. <laughs> you know. Strength. There's like, there's like 15 syllables on that string. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he said the number while we were talking. Did you hear him? No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it was a ten. Ten. Awen, they strike your hand in such a way... That the ring comes loose. I hate it. And clatters to the ground. Friends, half-orcs, countrymen, lend me your pointy ears. Hey guys, it's me, Kate, your master teacher, here with you at the break. If I could, I would give you a warm hug, make you a, a cup of joe or tea, wrap you in a nice blanket, and sit you down next to the fire. But since I can't, I'm sending you a virtual warm hug. Hope you feel it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm really, really just glad you're here with us, and I hope you're still enjoying the show. Please leave us a rating, review, comment if you so wish. Uh, really, it helps to boost our morale uh, because we listen to them all and we read them all and all that fun stuff. Um, but it also, on a logistical level, helps boost our algorithmic presence on these different listening platforms. The more you interact with us, the more they say, hey, this is a show worth boosting and more people are more likely to listen to us and join you. So I'd love to invite you to that. Second thing is join our Patreon. Um, you can support our show in a very tangible way, and we would love to then open the door to some bonus content for you, from a book club with Kimmy and me, to an extra after show, to even a regular correspondence with all of our show members on our Discord. So with that said, go into the, uh, the show notes where you can find the link to join the Patreon, or you can just go onto patreon.com and look up Oh Ma'am Ma'am, and we will be there. So with that said, that's enough of me. Let's get back to the show, shall we? Bertram, you're still technically on fire, so let's roll again. I mean, let's see how you make this work. 62. For the next minute, you must shout when you speak. <laughs> this is how I imagine it going. As as long as you're on fire, um, periodically, I'm, I'm going to say just like, it's almost as if this there's an override that starts like flickering um, on your body and just recordings uh, from from like your very, like basically your immediate past so the past week uh you you're just it's almost as if your body is playing out recordings of things that you have said okay um so you are welcome to shout out oh any kind of sound bite you wish um but these are definitely uh not conscious uh renderings so they do not need to have any 
any take on what's going on in the moment. Um, and so that this will go for another round. So basically, I'm going to invite you to shout at the, at the end of uh, this round and at the end of the next round. Okay, so I'm shouting now. Go ahead. Should I do something that was like canon that I got? I got to remember a line that I said randomly, like from Gatsby or something like that. And like, if you can, uh, this is this. <laughs> it's completely up to you. Um, the, the, it's not that funny, but it's the first thing I can, that pops in my mind. I'm pretty sure I said it this way. Um, ahoy, hoy, Mr. Gatsby's residence. Okay. It's when I answered the telephone. I said that <laughs> that ringing telephone down in the. <laughs> oh my god that was the most random shit i could think that i said it's supposed to be random it's supposed- all right which uh takes us back to the top of the order penny uh you are up you just heard bertram's voice yell out ahoy hoy gatsby's residence <laughs> without understanding and That's so for be, all you know that, that must be fucking haunting that, in I, this I, situation I, I, that your dead friend is just screaming <laughs> something so super random. sketchy if i weren't stressed out i would say that you should give us both disadvantage on our next roles for how much that would hit tear like throw me off Truly. but i don't want <laughs> That's that your own. Your own unsettling oh, visage i have not been doing that oops okay oh, you failed poisoned Penny is going to pull out, because again, her fighting style is thrown weapon fighting, uh, but she's going to pull out two more knives, and she's going to chuck them at the back of the elf, just trying to bring them down. Uh, How many knives does it Yeah, does I'm hoping Penny you have, have a whole, like, 50 knives. This is what's thing is, it was never, I, it just says I have throwing knives. It just says I have knives. So after this fight, I think we need to have a convo offline about how many knives. I think, you, I think you also got cornered by like one of those salesmen. It's like you got to check out these knives. These new you have all these knives. You can, you yeah, can cut exactly. a penny it's like with it's got this the leather knife. thing where he opens it up in front of me. Um, yeah. No, so we can decide that later. Right now, I'm just gonna throw. Right now, them. you got all the knives. Right now, I have all the knives. So I know I truly realize this fight. I'm like, we never said how many knives. You I also, had. Kate, is that, does it work? Like, could she grab a fucking like rock? Yeah, and throw that. You can, like, you can grab anything, anything, anything you see around, around you, you is, a, is a weapon. For this, but for this, I'm, yeah, I am fully fine with her pulling out two more knives and throwing. All right. So I guess let's, it says, uh, what it says that. in my weapons, it says two daggers. So do I only have two? Uh, you only have two them? daggers. <laughs> yes, and you threw them, and you Dang. lost them. Uh, no, you didn't. They they would be near where you are right now. The if you look on the ground, you in fact, why don't you do a quick perception? Because well, I, cause I didn't do a bonus action is, last is term. Many, yeah, how many? Per, bo- yeah, how high your perception is is um, how many of those two daggers you're able to see and quickly pick up. Perception great because like I rolled an unnatural twenty. So uh, I yeah, got you see both. both of them near you, uh, and you're able to pick both of them up. <laughs> so you can throw both of them again. Poor Aaron looks so cold. <laughs> it's 39 degrees, y'all. I'm cold. Holy shit. Shoot. <laughs> my heater, <laughs> I realized like my heater has a fan, so like, fail. Oh, I appreciate you, dude. Thanks for taking one for the TV. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm screenshotting this because it's too cute. <laughs> Just my stash. Aaron, the things later. he does with the podcast, recording in the elements. Doing it for the pod. Hopefully, hopefully not very much longer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So. Penny has grabbed those knives as a part of her turn, which is part of thrown. I, don't, I can reload. So I'm going to roll. Hold on. 
Oh my gosh. I not one not one. I critted. What what am I doing? You hate to see it. You hate to see it. <sighs> okay, so that, you know, crit. So I tripped and I stabbed myself with my own oh my damn God. knife. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh so <laughs> that went that escalated quickly. Don't be an evil DM to yourself. No, I, I was tripped. I was get, whenever you guys eat crit for good or ill, I give you full full autonomy on that and you chose to you stab yourself. Well, I didn't say stab, I cut myself. Just a little bit. <laughs> okay. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> Wait, so that that's one of them. What about the other one? Did you crit? Oh on yeah, both of I them? throw two. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Got a pocket full of pocket full of pocket full of throwing knives. Nine. I rolled a two, but I have plus seven, so it's a nine. Good lord. <laughs> no. Here here's what happens. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take handle, the driver's handle seat. Handle Bertram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing fifty knives into shoot, the, shoot, into shoot, the shoot, forest. Shoot, shoot, shoot. I, I will say I'm not happy about this either. <laughs> okay. You <laughs> you pick up both and just hands shaking <laughs> palms sweaty, mom's spaghetti. Um, <laughs> oh there it is. <laughs> first and it slips out of your hand (laughs) and it stabs down into your shoe just slightly cutting like your big toe and then the other one you let fly and it just arcs just beautifully to the left and clangs off of a tree I love how passed out, burning on fire Bertram has done about (laughs) as much damage as Penny has done (laughs) to these people I've maybe scared them more by my screaming randomly oh man Penny, uh, roll perception. No, I don't want to roll again. <laughs> Not the pain cubes. <laughs> 17. As you bend down to, to wrench the, the dagger out of your boot, uh, you, <laughs> you, something catches your eye, and you see in the encampment here uh, a couple things. Uh, First, you see just this collection of field notes um, that you can tell the, the elf had been working on. Um, and still askew, still just kind of out there in the open. And right beyond them, uh, right beyond those things on the other side of their tent, you see a wagon. Yeah, it's great what happens when you guys investigate and look and like, you know, kind of check out your, your surroundings. Play D&D? That's kind of you. How dare you. <laughs> Wait, okay. Does said wagon have a donkey or a horse? Or is it just like no. one of us is running in, in fact, the front of it? No, the harnessing on it, in, with a 17, you can even, looking like closely at the harnessing, especially with your understanding of your favorite enemy, it's almost like it has like a hookup for something large and mechanical to just pull it. Ah. Uh, Ooh. You know, like the thing that you downed, and there's more of them on their way, yep. which you can hear them almost straight in your vicinity. You start to see like the the shaking of the the branches and the rustling of of bushes, as if they are just almost right on you. Awen, you do not know that she's seen these things, as nope. far as as we're concerned, uh, but you have dropped this ring. And you have put out most of the flames on Bertram. You too hear the oncoming uh, grouping of more of these mech suits. I take a look down at, at Mr. Bertram, and I want to see if I think I can like stamp out 
the flames or if I actually need to use control flames again. Yeah, you can stamp <laughs> them out. Start okay. stomping on me. Okay. <laughs> you can stamp them out. <laughs> You're going to have to stomp so on his I, legs. I shuffle. I shuffle because I just got hit. Kick a some lot. dirt. You can kick some dirt on me. Hang hit. on. Stop <laughs> metagaming meta that part. Sorry. I just got kicked him, or like punched a bunch. So I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you hitting us? I know you can't talk. All while I'm like stomping down on Bertram. Just like trying to like, I'm fucking river dancing on him, trying to put him out there. Yelling at the elf, like, what are you doing here? I just like, I stop talking. And I just go like, why? Why? Okay. Uh, you put out the flames. You also stomped him. Uh, Bertram, roll. Go for it. You're welcome. Oh, an extra thing on top oh, of my screaming. Oh, because I second. did damage to you. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> I've already done some before. Yeah, but it makes sense. You do this a lot. I do. It's kind of your character. I wonder if there's something built into you. Do you want me to do it again or roll again? Or no, this happens. Okay. It, I'm just saying, it, it, the, the fact that this happens over and over again with you, I'm wondering canonically <laughs> if there is a mechanism in you that this just This is the third time I've out. done this. Once on purpose, once on accident. What happened? I rolled a, 60, I rolled a 63. You cast Fog Cloud centered on yourself. This is... Oh no! You guys can escape, I guess. Shoot! <laughs> How big is the cloud again? Uh oh! It just says you cast fog cloud. So let me see what fog cloud it. says. Like how far does it envelop radius. us? Twenty foot. Yeah, twenty foot radius. Hmm. That's great. I'm curious, Awen. Are you currently also like trying to search for the ring? That's a good point. That's a good point. You I th- are no. I I'm the, the you are you don't have to search for it. You know exactly where it's at. You can feel it. I mean, I think as soon as I get Bertram put out, because I think we've established, like, yeah, before, like, as soon as I get Bertram put out and I'm hollering at this person, I reached, I like, I dive down to get it. And actually, we should probably retcon because you're right. Like, I probably would, as soon as I feel this thing not, like, not on my body, I'm probably, like, diving for it. Well, I was going to say, because while you were doing that, I was going to use my other thing that I yell okay. uh, concurrently. As you're on the ground, like frantically searching for this ring, I'm going to scream, Penny, keep an eye on our friend Awen. I think that ring has a hold on him. He's not in his right mind. But keep this a secret just between you and me. Don't tell Awen. That's so good. Oh my gosh. Because we were talking, we, yeah. we were whispering behind your back. You're shady. You're fucking shady. <laughs> All right. So this is how I'm. Uh, this is this is the order in which just to give just to give fair parameters. <laughs> and then for, he starts stopping. <laughs> this is what I think is going to happen. Okay. This is the most logical course of action for our listeners to understand this story we're trying to weave in in the in the darkness with fumbling blind hands sipping on apple cider okay so what what's happened is that you choose you're you're yelling at this elf what are you doing stop basically and in that frantic motioning you stomp out the flames but Immediately as the flames go out, uh, you hear this whirring and, and clanking. Oh, and no. <laughs> you, this, this little puff, 
and from. Oh. <laughs> oh, is that fog cloud? Sorry, from. Don't say I farted it out of my butt. Don't. What do you? Dare. This is this is. Oh man. Don't you dare strip monster. away Bertram's <laughs> dignity. Do not, do not strip Bertram of his the, dignity. Sorry, God, God. the lower part. From the lower part it's of his late. body. You, you're just this opening of a gasket. Kate is crying. <laughs> you just hear this opening of a gasket. Um, and fog cloud starts to just billow out. And you see your chance and you immediately drop down, Eowyn, and, and fumble for the ring. And as your hand finds purchase on the ring, you hear Eowyn, uh, you hear Bertram shout those words out loud. And the mixture of relief at finding the ring again with the guilt and uncertainty of hearing your friend's words just commingle inside and spur you to action. So I'm going to give you another free simple action. You cannot, you cannot attack. Um, that's the only part and parcel I'm putting on it. But you can have an action where this elf does not see you. Uh, so it, this elf is disoriented. It is in the fog cloud. It's standing completely straight up. Uh, so they, they cannot uh, see what you are doing since you dropped down um, in the midst of the fog cloud. So what do you choose to do as this free action? Did I find the ring? You found the ring. Your hand is on that ring. I am pretty sure I slam the ring on and then I jump towards the elf. Okay, you put the ring so you put the ring back on as a simple action and you and how do you jump at them? Because you're you're crouched down. I so am, do you tackle them? I'm do going you, for the grapple. Okay, let's go for the grapple then. Uh then go ahead and roll strength. Okay. It was not very strong, but he did roll a nineteen, so that's good. Great. Great, because uh, I rolled an 18. So you beat me in that. You, you got uh, this elf grappled and completely down on the ground. Uh, and you, you're kind of at that level, too, where the fog cloud is kind of just like right above you guys if you're like flat on the ground. So you're able to still clearly see their face. Um, Penny, you did hear those words as well, uh, but you were focusing on the... I guess you could say, on the other parts of this camp site, especially this wagon. Um, and as you look back towards uh, where your friend is to either shout at them, let them know, hurry back towards Bertram, you also see coming into the clearing three more of these mech suits. But they're at the bottom of the, the order, um, and does, they does, are simply scanning. So I will scan for each of them to see if they, like, what and who they notice. Does the fog cloud reach to them to cover them, or are they the outside fog the cloud, fog cloud? So it's interesting how where you are, um, if, if we're on the face of a clock, uh, Bertram, Awen, and the elf are at midnight. Mm hmm. Penny is at six. Let's just say like straight line between you guys. Mm -hmm. These mech suits are arriving at nine. Okay. So kind of in between there, uh, they are going to have to roll very high, uh, to see the kind of like the grappled forms of, of, uh, Eowyn and the elf. They are not going to see Bertram. However, there is a chance that they will see Penny. So I'm going to roll for each of them almost like as if like, as they scan. Because just because they're scanning doesn't necessarily mean they will automatically see that. Okay. One fails. Two fails. The third one sees 
Penny, but not Awen and the elf. Okay. Um, so you kind of see them, like the three of them scanning, and the third one, which is in kind of like the point position, um, scans and pauses, and kind of the, the green, that, that sickly arcane green light that goes through like the visors where eyes would be and through all the other junctures where perhaps you would see uh, flesh or skin, um, it turns a brighter green, like kind of like this, this on, right? This alertness and it centers its body towards you. The other two have not yet, Uh, but that takes us to the top of the order. They're going to be at the bottom. So Penny, what do you do? Penny is going to pull Fezziwig out from her side bag or from her bag and pull Fezziwig down and look him in his sweet little beady eyes and say, Fezziwig, there are papers that way. Go get the papers and bring them back to me. Uh, and I'm going to roll animal handling. I rolled a nat 20, baby. You did? Yeah. I rolled a nat 20. <laughs> It it kind of just sniffs at the air and and it's just marble like little eyes see you and as you kind of fumble with your pack to to let it down, um, it it scurries, Fezziwig scurries towards the papers and it kind of um continues to to rustle through them and in its little mouth, you know, it takes um one sheath, two sheath, three sheaths and then um kind of like struggles to like come back with these these papers that are it's like larger than itself right, yeah it's like struggling like backwards um and comes and in, in kind of circles around your feet and in just these silent heartbeats for yourself as you wait for this um you you do hear like the creaking of the met suit mech suits and then the the struggle beyond in the fog all right the moment Fezziwig gets back i pick him up and as much as you can nuzzle a hedgehog, I nuzzle him and say, there's some grubs for you in this, and then put him back in the bag with the papers. Um, and then I pull out my rapier, and I head into the fog to where I last seen the elf, swinging. Well, not swinging. That feels like a really bad plan. Let's see. I'm going to head into the fog with my rapier out and head to where I last saw the elf. Can I roll perception to see if i find them and see if i can hit them i just don't want yes. to swing around and hit a win yes great <laughs> blindly swinging <laughs> in you. the fog until you connect with your friend <laughs> i rolled an 11 you see two forms and oh, one of them uh you can see you know they're on the ground um one on top of the other and you see that the one on top has the one on the bottom grappled uh as you get closer, um, you you can you have a choice here. You can make an assumption and make a lucky guess, um, and we can roll for that. Or you can sacrifice some of your uh, ability to strike true um, to get closer and to see. Trying to decide if I should be risky or not, but I don't think that's a good idea. Penny would risk it and get closer. Okay, as you get closer, you, you see kind of through the fog a little bit more easily, and you see that it is Awen on top um, with, the, with the elf completely grappled. 
All right. Do I have enough time to put my rapier away, pull out my short bow and shoot an arrow rather than trying to? No. No. All right. Then I use my rapier and I try to stab at uh, the elf. You may do so with advantage since they are grappled. Ooh. Oh, I mean, I just rolled an unnatural 20. So can I just keep that? I guess I oh, yeah. get a nat 20. But yeah, if you get no. a nat 20, it's double. You can, you can no, see yeah, it. no. So yeah, I just rolled. Um, yeah, so I rolled uh, tw- an unnatural 20. So yeah, go for it. Uh, I got five, I believe. Yeah, five. It would be piercing damage. So five piercing damage. Tell me what it looks like. What um, do you do? Yes, yes, How yes, do yes, you yes, kill them yes. or knock them out? Um, I'm trying to think. I, with I a rapier. A <laughs> yeah, with a rapier. <laughs> Penny just like sees Awen is grappling and just sees an opening through the arms and like through the side and just immediately goes Ooh. and stabs in as much as possible into the elf side. Hell yeah. Oof. Okay. You do It's that. not pretty. Oh, you do that, and immediately, when you can feel just the their body go limp. So you you have now one of your adversaries gone, eliminated, but there are still three mech suits, one of which has seen Penny enter into this fog. Uh, but Awen, you don't know that. In fact, I wouldn't even consider you fully aware of the mech suits right there. Uh, you knew that they were close, but you have not seen exactly where they are. On the other hand, Penny has. Uh, so what do you do? I, I think I'm on top of this, this elf that just got shanked. Uh, I look around. Do I know that it's Penny? Can I tell? Yes, you can tell it's okay. Penny. She's close enough. Mm-hmm. God damn, Penny! Oh, where did you come from? Oh, my goodness. Okay, we, let's get Bertram. Get the fuck out of here. Penny goes like, shh, Max, they're out there. They don't know where we are in this fog, but they're oh here. Oh, And then can uh, Penny really quickly search the body to see if there's anything interesting on this elf? Good yeah. call. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an investigation, right? Well, I critted, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, Crit so missed. You, you rolled a one? You rolled a yeah, one? Yeah, I rolled a one. Here's what you would notice with, with this. Uh, you, know, you, you first see you know, the telltale signs of the, the three-spotted tattoo um, on their hand and um, kind of moving them around as you shift their head, their, their mouth falls open, and you see a very strange sight. Uh, the tongue, which you clearly had deduced, had been completely severed and cut out, which was the source of their not talking before. As you're looking inside the mouth with just this horrid fascination as their body stills and is truly well and truly devoid of life the tongue reappears feels bad feels real bad gross we now jump back into the past We go to year 45 for you, Bertram. The sounds of screams and cries, both of a woman and now a baby, echo through the halls. And you are tidying up, as always, uh, this time in the in just the space where they have been dining. um, And you see just signs of 
disrepair starting to appear. Um, and a, a fruit dinner has been spread out. Very simple. Everything else has gone bad. Uh, the, the pantry itself has run dry. Nobody has gone out for any new uh, groceries in a while. And uh, there has been no time to cook um, because all of the household's attention has been placed on the baby on its way. And as the, the screams of the woman whom you know to be Weena um, fade away, leaving only the faint cries of a baby, you see some men enter the room, and uh, one of them is, is Edgar. And he collapses um, at the head of this table, head in hands, and just shaking, uh, shaking and racked with sobs. And the other men you, you have seen before, uh, these are the same figures that have shown up year after year for these Raven's Week gatherings. People who uh, have come to support and eventually leech off of the Featherfoot family. And so as Edgar, in his own bubble, folds in on himself, all you can hear is just his voice faintly saying, She's, she's gone. She's, she's, she's gone. She's gone. She's, she's gone. I'm, I'm, I, I can't. She's, she's gone. And it repeats and the sounds of his sobs and this mantra of loss echo through the halls and you see the doctor and the horserer mare watch him in profile from the right the psychologist from the left, and behind Edgar, inching forward and eventually putting his hand in a comforting and yet possessive manner on his shoulder, you see Morlock behind him. You take a beat and immediately realizing that you're not supposed to be there, quickly back out before anybody can notice you or say anything. And headed towards that sound, you continue to hear these faint cries. and you see just wrapped and swaddled a baby. And you remember the last time, really, you, you got to see a baby many years ago. But this baby, it's just so small before it's time. And you remember hearing just worried undertones of the doctor talking about it's, it's too early. It's not ready. And as the baby is quickly brought past you and and passes down the hall in the arms of a nursemaid, Um, you hear the doctor following. And the doctor sees you and says, Bertram, can... I guess I should say I'm sorry for your loss, too. I know that Lady Weena was part of your household. We have to take the baby to a place that can care for her. She, she won't make it. But Edgar refuses to, to sign off on it. Will, will you, once again, will you sign the needed papers? We, we need to take the baby to a better place. A place that can keep her alive. We were unable to do enough for Weena, but we can, we can keep Eloy alive. Will you sign the papers? Uh, yeah, Bertram 
solemnly and probably regretfully grabs the papers knowing what he's expected to do and what he doesn't want to do and using his pen that he uses to forge often Edgar's signature he perfectly forges the signature and yeah reluctantly gives it back and watches as the baby is taken out of the house you see its small form just bundled even further and quickly transferred into a carriage and off they go and as you stand there on the steps overlooking this veranda it seems that time goes on and it still gains velocity to you the palpitation of night and day merge into one continuous grayness The sky takes on a wonderful deepness of blue, a splendid, luminous color like that of early twilight. The jerking sun becomes a streak of fire, a brilliant arch in space. The moon a fainter fluctuating band, and you can see nothing of the stars save now and then a brighter circle flickering in the blue. We jump forward five more years yet again to year 50. You see the face of this man who has become your tormentor through the years. And it is not a face wracked in grief or uncertainty this time. No innocence, no fragile tendencies, no openness. It is closed, it is hard, and it is cold. And this same face of Edgar, completely focused in on you, The eyes glinting and the eyes like narrowing in on you steps forward. And in another moment, you two are standing face to face. You and this this fragile man caught up in fury. And he comes straight up to you and he laughs in your face. And he sees the absence from your bearing at this point of any sign of fear. And he strikes you. Turning to now who you see, two others with him. Morlock, one of them. And he speaks to them in a strange and very sweet and liquid tongue of somebody who has had, once again, too much to drink. And turning back to you, he says, You think you've seen everything about this family, Bertram. You think that perhaps you are this family? You think that because you caught me in a soft moment the other day, I think that you're just trying to spy out. You're always watching me with those unblinking eyes and it's just, and he gestures with his drink and it sloshes on you. You're just disgusting. You're not this family. I don't know when my dad ever told you, but you're not a featherfoot. Alright, you're a servant. You're the help. It is now the year 75. Darkness surrounds you. In your hands, trembling now, you keep striking matches. All around you, in the darkness, just on the edge and periphery of your sight, you hear scurrying sounds and scraping metal. But you keep going forward. Fear clutches at your heart. But you keep going. You have to. Everything has gone wrong, and as you inch forward deeper into the bowels of the manor, 
you see something on the floor that's wet and slick. And bending down, you notice it is dark oil following these trickles that soon become thicker into full-on puddles. You see it change slightly, the hue, the viscosity, and you see instead a patch of blood. You strike another match and go forward a few steps. The blood widens and blooms, and in it you see a mangled body. And further up, you then see the lifeless eyes staring at the ceiling, belonging to Edgar. You have to keep going. She's in here somewhere. And you have to find her. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The influence of Freemasonry is undeniable, but who are these mysterious apron-wearing craftsmen, and what are they up to? For centuries, hater-ass conspiracy theorists have attempted to answer these questions. Two Flat Earthers Kidnap a Freemason, starring Zane Schacht as Randy Dunning, Lauren Grace Thompson as Gail Kruger, and Matthew Woodcock as Walter Clay. I just want to go on the record right now and say that I, Randy Dunning, am 100% anti-gravity. Like, subscribe, and share your way to the truth when two flat earthers kidnap a Freemason.